0: Hey, it's the big episode 3.0, and we're celebrating bands which are which were big in the past and now are suddenly realizing that they still need to produce music and are coming back again. Comeback bands, comeback bands, yeah, comeback yeah. bands. Right? I mean, there's been
1: there's been a lot of them over the last like three to four years, right? Yeah, revival of sorts, and especially like. For me, with with thrash, because you had the whole uh, r- uh, old school thrash bands like you know mm. bands like Bonded by Blood and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, that play that old school sound, but are like probably not were not even born when the. Thrash yeah, but
0: that's a completely different debate altogether. I mean, there's a revival of the old sound, but uh, beyond so that, like so I, that's why
1: it's great to have bands who actually were there you think they got
0: agitated that. by like listening to all this new shit and go like hey what the fuck man we were the ones who created it we need to come back and do yeah, better do better but show them show or establish the our credence and our yeah, yeah, yeah. uh whatever our like stamp the mark go on piss on the tire once again to establish my territory
1: I don't know. It'll be I, I would love to know what the bands were thinking when they came back. But uh, at least the band we're talking to this episode had a very different approach to it,
0: right? Of course, yeah. This episode we're talking about Sacred Reich. Now, Sacred Reich is a band that got clubbed into the entire uh, American thrash scene. Yeah. They were like the B-League of the, of the Big Four. Yeah.
1: yeah, I would say... Ad- I mean, ad- c- you could consider them in the Big Eight. Yeah, and, and it the th- big ten. And, and you think about it, they weren't part actually mm-hmm. physically located in where the Bay Area thrash was. So obviously yeah, you get a lot m- yeah. less. And Still. they started out slightly later, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, around nineteen eighty, no, around nineteen eighty five itself. So which is yeah. approximately the same time yeah. as all the other big four bands and the lesser of the whatever, the big six or the big eight, however mm-hmm. you want to call like the other bands associated with that scene. But yeah. Twenty-three years later, Sacred Reich have a new album out. It's called Awakening, and it's a very short listen.
1: Yeah, it's an awakening of sorts if you think about it. Oh, it definitely
0: is. Just definitely is the band, the band itself coming back with a brand new guitarist. He's so young. He's younger than any. Like he's
1: like what, twenty-two? Twenty-two or twenty-three? Yeah, yeah.
0: twenty-two or twenty-three. That's like way young. So, yeah. But uh, beyond that, the origi- the the drummer for Machine Head, yeah. who used to be part of the band, is also back. So yeah. the core group, as such, that created most of the big hits that Sacred Reich is known for, that's back.
1: And right? it's great to hear them because, like, if you think about it and you listen to them, it doesn't really sound like, you know, they've not gone for that modern production or anything like that you'd associate with most of the current acts, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean production aside, even the album was very meat and potatoes okay for me. But uh that's that's my initial reaction to it. Um well I don't know, we we got this fabulous opportunity to talk to Phil Rind, who's the uh founder as well as the frontman, as well as the bassist of the band. So what do you say? Let's like yeah, let's chat with him in. and try and figure out why Sacred Reich came back or not came back? Like why Sacred Reich needed to produce a new record and release a new album twenty-three years after their previous one? Yeah,
1: heal. Okay. So here's our chat with Phil Ryan from Sacred Reich.
0: Hey Phil, welcome to Horns Up. How are you doing today?
2: Doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: Congratulations on Awakening. I have to say I found it a rather curious name, Um, of course there's the song, but I'd like to interpret it as the awakening of the band in a way, given it's the first album in such a long period of time, the new guitar player, the return of a long time drummer, there's a lot that's going on and it all seems to be a really positive change, would you agree?
2: Most definitely. Um, All the things that you have mentioned are completely true and relate to the title, Awakening. You know, the the very simple explanation is it's our return, the reawakening of the band after 23 years. But it also talks about kind of where we've been at the last 20 plus years, you know, personally and the things that we've been through to get to this point. Um, and what the influences had on the record. And it also <clears throat> talks about the overall theme lyrically of the record, um, yeah. the kind of thing that we all kind of need to do. That's our own, like, kind of personal awakening. And it's the awakening in our heart, you know, to kind of figure out where we're going to live from through, you know, fear or anger or love and compassion. So that's, you know, it's on kind of three different levels. You know, I was
1: going through some old interviews and yours and one from 2008, soon after your comeback, uh, there was a question saying, is there a chance of a new album? And if I may quote you, you said, no, it's the furthest thing from my mind. But here we are 11 years later and boom, there's a new album. So clearly there was a a whole change in your thought. What brought, brought about that change?
2: Uh, i'm not sure what the impetus was but somehow the the songs came back um you know when we were active and recording and doing all that stuff like the songs would just pop into our heads and that kind of went away for quite a long time so when everyone asked if you're going to do a record the answer was always no because we didn't have any songs so for some reason um the songs came back and started popping into our heads and that was the obvious sign that it was time to go make a record. So we're very fortunate.
0: What do you think changed? Uh, you say the song started to come back. Is it just the fact that you guys were uh, playing shows together again, charming together again, new musical ideas coming in, or was it just a product of the times?
2: Yeah, I think it just, it, it was just the right time, I guess. I, I, I don't really know. You know, there hasn't been a huge change because, you know, when we when we started writing the first song, which was "Divide and Conquer," it was still you know the four original members in the band, so it wasn't really like a lineup change or anything like that. But I I don't know what it is, and I try not to think about it too much because it doesn't really matter. All that really matters is here we are now. You know what I mean?
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. All right. You you mentioned uh, the lyrics on the album, and I'd like to get into that a little bit now. Sacred Reich are known for uh, socially conscious and politically aware lyrics. And of course, Awakening is another example of that statement. Um, Does the album have any common message of sorts that uh, you or the band would like to leave the listener with? And could you delve on those messages and why those messages are necessary to be heard?
2: Well, I think the, the main theme of the record is we're all in this together, and we need to do our best together to make things better. And it's up to us that no one's coming to save us. There's no cavalry coming. So I think over, overall, that's the message. We're in this together. We should just love each other and work together. And, um, and it's up to us, each and every one of us. So I think that's the overall theme.
1: Just to get into another aspect of the new album, which was the recording. Um, I mean, after so many years getting back in the studio, what was it like Like the first time you guys got back again? Were you nervous, excited? Could you kind of like set up or at least describe what it was like, the feeling, while you were getting ready to record the album?
2: Yeah, you know, the first night when we we're going to start recording and laying down tracks, um it was a little like it was very exciting a little overwhelming not in, like in a bad way but just kind of like emotionally we kind of felt a little giddy and yeah i remember looking over at wiley and we're both standing there ready to record and i'm like are we really doing this like <laughs> after all this time are we really doing this this is so cool and that was pretty much the whole time we recorded that's how we were feeling like this is so great we're so lucky it's it was the whole recording process was so fun and easy and positive and we all like really encouraged each other and it was just really cool the way the whole thing worked out you know and we were just commenting about it the whole time you know you know, uh, the four of us in the band and also Arthur, who produced the record, and John, who engineered it, you know, it, we're they're like, man, we do sessions all the time. And this is a lot different than most of the sessions that we do. No. And, uh, I don't know. It was just really cool.
0: Uh, what made it different than the sessions? I mean, was it a different process this time around or what we were used to earlier? I mean, of course, there's the technology bit of it, which comes completely changed over the last decade. But uh, beyond that?
2: Well, I mean, I think for for those guys, like, we don't know. We haven't made a record in 23 years. But, like, you know, John's like, I do sessions every day, you know, and he goes, it's just the vibe of the whole session was just a lot different. You know, he said, Joey came in at the last minute, you know, and here's a 22-year-old kid coming in to make this record with this band he's loved for most of his life. We haven't made a re- you know we haven't made a record in 23 years and Joey just walks in and just crushes it just crushed his guitar tracks and with like zero pressure you know like it was nothing and pretty much you know when Dave was recording his drum parts it was just really an open environment and you know there's a lot of feedback and he was open to trying different things and you know when I was recording vocals it was very chill and. I don't know. it was just the the whole thing just had a really positive and cool vibe to it. Not that the other records haven't, but it just seemed like everything was headed in the same direction there was it was It was
1: really cool yeah and i'm I'm kind of glad you brought that up because when we were just looking at the lineup and stuff like that you've been you're now gonna be you're now gonna be touring soon with a guitar player who's kind of the same age that it's taken between your last album heel and (laughs) so what, what is it like i mean i mean i'm sure he was like in awe just like we are right now kind of talking to you but what is it like getting him in the band and the whole process
2: well um so I, I know Joey's dad, Tim, and, you know, Dave was still a machine head at the time. And Tim said, you know, I, I play drums. I have a little studio. If you need help, you know, working on the demos, I'd be happy to do it. And we were like, yeah, that's killer. So we, so uh, we went down to Tim's place and just kind of like laying down the outline of the songs just to kind of see how everything was going to go. And Tim played drums and Joey, his son, recorded everything, you know, he was engineering and he's like, you know, Joey plays guitar. So I would play scratch tracks and then um, you know, just give the guitar to Joey real fast and he would just play the guitar properly. You know, like <laughs> Wiley was busy. Wiley's got three restaurants and he was real busy. We were just, you know, putting down the outline of the songs. And uh so Joey played guitar on him on all the demos. And, you know, when it didn't work out with Jason, I mean that it was the first day in the studio with Jason and it was like, man, you know, he's not going to be able to do it. You know, he's not up to it. And, you know, in that environment, like Arthur showed up the first day to produce a record. He goes, how's everything going? And we're like, you know, it didn't work out with Jason. He's like, ha ha ha, you know, funny. And we're like, no, really? He he was like, whoa, what? (laughs) You know? And we're like, "Ah, don't worry. It's going to be okay. You know? And Joey stepped right in and it was great. So that's how we met him. And then, You know, after a couple, we figured he'd just make the record. You know, he's a 20-year-old kid. He's not going to want to hang out with a bunch of old coots, I guess. And after, you know, a couple days of him recording, it just made sense. It was obvious that he was our guitar player. His attitude, the way he played, the way he just fit in with everybody, the way he looked at things. I mean, he's a young kid, but he has a great, head on his shoulders and he's a mature kid in a lot of ways and in other ways he's just like a young kid too <clears throat> but um, he's used to hanging out with his dad and jamming with his dad and all of his friends so I think he's used to being around a bunch of older guys <laughs> and uh, you know we did a month tour in the US already we just did two weeks in Europe and he's just having the time of his life you know he just is he fits in great we all get along great it- it's been pretty amazing
0: <laughs> that I have to ask this. It's it's uh it I can easily picture this as sort of a teacher apprentice vibe. It's an easy story to write, you know. Is that the way? Yeah, can but you play?
2: know, but you know, what's funny about Joey? So I remember when when he when we announced that he was in the band, and I have a, you know a lot of friends have been around for a long time. They're like, you're gonna have to tell him this, and you're gonna have to tell him this, and man, you got to show him this, you got to show him this. And I was like. I'm like, you guys don't know Joey. I don't have to tell him anything, and I don't have to show him anything. Because what Joey, Joey doesn't talk a ton, right? Because his dad told me he's always been a bit of an observer, right? So Joey sits and he watches, but he absorbs everything. So you really don't have to tell Joey anything, because he's picking it up as he goes. You know, he's a bright kid, and he sees what's going on. And he knows right from wrong. It's not difficult. And he just, you know, I can see how we evolved as a band playing the shows. I mean, even just on stage, you know, so I really don't have to tell him anything. He figures it out for himself. So about this teacher apprentice stuff, I'm not really sure about any of that. <laughs> I think I think Joey well on his way and what he needs to learn. He'll figure out from being around us.
1: <laughs>
2: All right. OK, Very, cool.
1: You, you brought up the uh, european tour and you know that's a complete different aspect uh, performing live um, and you guys have been doing it uh, at least for the last decade but what was it like playing your new material on the european tour uh, what is the audience reaction to the tracks
2: it's been really great i mean considering most people probably haven't even heard all the stuff you know maybe they heard a song or two but we were playing at least three or four songs right and the reaction was great you can tell like they don't really know the songs and everyone's watching and listening but uh the response has been great and everybody really likes it and the response to the record has been really incredibly positive and it's wonderful to see and uh everything's just going really good right now we're really happy and now you guys are
1: also gearing up for a tour with Guar, uh, <clears throat> Toxic Holocaust, uh, Against the Grain. And this, is, this time it's like the North American tour. So are you guys going to be playing a similar set list, uh, slightly more new songs now that the album is
2: out? What are you looking forward to?
3: <clears throat>
2: well, we, the set with Guar is like 40 minutes, so it's not a very long set. Okay. So we'll, we'll pack in a bunch of new songs and... You know, the songs that we know people want to hear from the older records. Then we'll have a few headline sets and we'll play some more new stuff. And then we head over to Europe in November for five weeks for a headline tour. um, And we're taking Night Demon with us. They're awesome. And then, um, yeah, we'll be playing at least half the record if not more so uh we're looking forward to it it's nice after all this time to have new songs to play we've been playing the same songs <laughs> yeah. for quite a yeah, long yeah. time and then i think like how many times has keith richard played start me up you know or <laughs> satisfaction so i really don't have much to complain about
1: no and and, and i still remember uh, watching Deep purple live <laughs> and realizing oh my god smoke on water they probably like the song at this point, right?
2: Yeah, well, I they they know, look, they know that's one of the songs that made them who they are, but yeah, I I guess you gotta find the freshness in it every night. I mean, we've been playing, I I can't compare to Deep Purple, but you know, we've been playing probably Surf Nicaragua every show we've ever played since 1988, so, you know, it's like, okay, but it's funny because, um, I don't know what I was going to say. I had a thought and then it went
1: away. All right. I must ask, since you talked about the tour and since you've been doing it in the last 10 years, have you noticed like newer faces, people discovering the band? Because that's one of the things about bands like you, since you talked about like, you'll have been around for so many years. Uh, Has there been newer audience, newer faces you find each time you play like different cities or the same cities?
2: Well, there's a couple things. There's, there's young people that are brought by their parents. <laughs> there's that bit, you know, the, the people who are around our age who are now Sorry. bringing their kids to the shows. So that's new faces. And then I remember specifically playing a show in Los Angeles maybe five years ago and going out front and seeing the line. And it was full of like 16 and 17 year old kids with white high tops, denim vests, and you know, their hats flipped up. And it was like a whole new wave of thrash kids you know that missed it the first time so there's that too so it's it's a it's a nice mix of people and it's really cool to see
0: all right now of course you've been doing this since 1985 i have to ask do you guys still enjoy touring and all the fatigue it brings with it
2: well it's it's great i mean what's cooler than playing music every night? There's nothing that's cooler than that. I mean, we have the coolest job ever, ever could be. It's, you know, it was funny the other day. I was like, you know how we know that being in a band is the coolest thing you could ever do. Like, even like even actors and sports stars, it's, you know, they're like, man, if I could just be in a band, like, yeah, that's how (laughs) cool it is being in a band. So yeah, it's great. Look, even the tra- you know, the traveling can be a little grueling sometimes, but... Oh,
0: definitely yeah, it can.
2: Some people have difficult lives. I wouldn't confuse this with a very difficult life. And, um, you know, the, the hard part is just being gone from your family. You know, this this tour with Guar coming up is eight weeks in the U.S. and, and the show in Canada. And then we go, we go straight to get on a plane and fly to Europe for five weeks. So... We're going to be gone like three months straight. Oh. And it's just hard, you know, on, on, it's hard on your family. So if there's any, you know, drawback, obviously it's just being gone, but um, it's just part of the deal. There's no getting around it. I mean, this is what we signed up for. So it doesn't make any sense to complain about it or feel bad about it. I mean, it's just our life and we're really lucky to have it. We're really fortunate that we get to make another record. We're really fortunate that anyone still cares about us after all these years. So, you know, it, it's all incredibly cool stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, it, it it wasn't, the question really wasn't prompted by a complaint as such. It, it's just that um, there's a popular thought that goes around saying that you don't pay musicians as such. You, of course, you're paying them for their talent and stuff, but mostly you're paying you're paying them for the long periods of waiting and all the
2: time, oh, that's funny all the
0: thing that you have to that they have to go through to make sure that they come to your city and play the same set of songs again each and every night
3: right um,
0: so the question that i wanted to ask was a how do you how do you guys still find the energy to do this day in and day out
2: Well, I guess that'd probably be a really good question after we get back from the next tour, and I'll have a much better (laughs) answer. Because I I looked at the dates, and it's 84 shows in 96 days in 14 countries. Wow. In 15 countries. So, like, the Guar tour is eight weeks, and there's five days off. That's fact. In two months. And then in Europe... We, it's a little more relaxed. It's five weeks with five days off. We get one day off a week. But, um, you know, like the Guard Tour, like I said, we're playing 40 minutes. How, how hard is that? (laughs) It's, it's not hard. But, you know, to your point where you don't get, we don't get paid for playing, we get paid for waiting around because there, there's a lot of that. Which is why it's really important that you all enjoy each other's company because you're spending a lot of time together in a very Mm -hmm. small little space. Oh, definitely. I always say it's like being in a submarine. Like you're all in the submarine together. And uh, you just got to enjoy each other's company and you have to respect each other. So I think we're getting along better than we ever have. You know, having Joey and Dave in the band has really been uh, a very positive thing for us. That's great to listen to. Yeah.
1: So let's take a quick transition into uh, we, I we'd like to hear a track from the awakening. Uh, Which track would you like our listeners to uh, hear and
2: why? Hmm. I think, okay. There's obviously I like all the songs, but I think, I think uh, I like manifest reality quite a bit. Um, It's, it's just a, Pretty heavy song, and it shows really our influences. Our our two biggest influences, our whole career has been Slayer and Metallica, so it really kind of shows those influences. And I think the lyrics are everything I could ever probably want to say in a song, and and the chorus just saying, "Be the change you want to see," you know, to manifest reality. It's up to us to manifest the world in which we want to live. So uh, those lyrics to me are about everything I could ever want to say.
0: All right, so here's Manifest Reality by Secret Ride. There's an interesting adjective I found online. Someone's used the term Buddhist thrash to define sacred rite. I understand this stems from your practice of Tibetan Buddhism.
2: Yes. (laughs) I don't know if we're Buddhist thrash because I'm only one guy in the band, you know, and the other guys are definitely not Buddhist. You know what I mean? But I think since I write the words, like it's, you know, It manifests itself in the lyrics. So, um, you know, for me, it's just about how, how we're looking at the world and taking responsibility and seeing things for what they are and not getting caught up in the negativity and that kind of stuff. So I think it's a positive
3: thing.
0: Okay. But I have to say, to a layperson, Buddhism paints a picture of pure peace, whereas metal paints a picture that's really quite the opposite. What's the correlation like for you? I'm sure I mean, you get this. I'm sure you get asked this a lot.
2: No, not really. <laughs> it's funny. But uh, I, I think, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think, you know, you can play very heavy music and aggressive music and still have a positive message behind it. And I think, I think that's mostly what it is. Um, I'm definitely not as angry as I used to be. Sometimes I read the lyrics like, you know, to ignorance or whatever. And I was like mm-hmm. 16, 17, you know, living at home with my parents. I'm like, what, what was I so angry about? But um, <laughs> I think it's easy to look around. Certainly, it's, you don't have to look too far to find a lot of suffering and injustice in the world. It's not hard to find it if you want to look for it. So I think, you know, a lot of people have that kind of attitude and especially when you're very young and idealistic too. In manifest reality, there's a line that says, when I was young, I had to change the world. And that's how I felt like I had to, I had to, I didn't have a choice. I had to change the world. It was important. And it says, now I know I can only change myself. And then as I've gotten older, I realized I could barely control myself. What, who am I to think that I'm going to be able to tell anybody else what they're going to do? So probably more important to change myself and be a better example so i think that's the same idea you know in everything that we do that you know the things that we do the things that we say are an example and let's do something positive and put something positive out there but we can still have some heavy and aggressive music at the same time and in buddhism too there's lots of you know different Um, There's like Kalakchara, you know, it's like a very Mm -hmm. wrathful deity and it, you know, it's, you know, in Hinduism as well, right? These deities represent the different manifestations of the energy. So there's very strong energies and more, you know, um, compassionate energies, but they're all the things that we have in us. I mean, anger is natural or we wouldn't experience it, right? So all these things just come up from within us. So I think it's all fine. But just to
1: ask you one more question on that aspect, has your belief of Buddhism in any manner influenced the sacred drag sound or message? And is, has there been any rub off if any?
2: Well, I mean, I, I mean, obviously it's manifests itself in lyrically, you know, like manifest reality is definitely, I mean, it's pretty much straight from the mouth of my teacher, all those lyrics. Death Valley is, I think, a very Buddhist song. You know, it talks about living in the moment. And the second verse is about the bardo, you know, what happens after you die. And the third verse is pretty much um, um, Shantideva's prayer. You know, as long as time and space abide for as long as we all shall live. Until then, may it remain to dispel the miseries of the world. You know, that's pretty much a Shantideva's prayer. So, um it's definitely in there lyrically. And I, I think on a personal level, it's made me um, uh, hopefully, you know, I, I'm working towards being a better person. <laughs> so it helps in our inner band relationships and it helps when we're all around each other. So
3: now,
1: I mean, you, you brought up Death Valley. And for me, that kind of track, when I first, the first couple of listens of the album, it kind of stood out for me. And when I was discussing it with someone else, they all kind of got it right when they said it sounds a bit Black Sabbathish.
2: Um, yes, absolutely. That's what this, we were shooting for.
1: All right. All right. And wh- what was the kind of thing? Because like when you were, was it something that you were consciously going for when you were in the writing process? It just kind of emerged uh, in
2: there. Yeah, I mean, you know, the riffs kind of come to you and where they come from, we don't really know. There's all the influences already in your brain, you know? But it reminds me of something like off something like Sabotage or, you know, and I love that record so much. You know, it was funny enough, like on the, la- on a on Heel? Is it? I don't remember, yeah. Uh, no, no, it's on Independent. There's a song called Crawling. Mm-hmm. you know and a friend of mine said dude that's hole in the sky and i was like no he's like shut up come on you didn't realize that i'm like not until right now and now it's really obvious (laughs) but until this moment when you brought it up and i said and i was listening to that record a lot when i was writing when we were writing songs for that record so it makes perfect sense so that something like death valley comes really shows you know the influence that black sabbath has had on us and uh yeah, I, I love the track. It's really cool and different and, and it just has a really great vibe. You know, this, that song is like the most cheerful song about death ever. You know, we all know we're going to die. No one's escaping it. We're all living in Death Valley. And the, and the point of knowing that we're all going to die is that we should enjoy our time right now because nothing is guaranteed, right? Dalai Lama always says, we don't know what's going to come next, next day or next life. So we should enjoy the moment and be present in the moment. And so that's really the idea of the song. And I think musically it kind of feels that way, you know, just enjoying, enjoying yourself.
0: Okay. And we just spoke about her influences shape your sound. So let's flip that bit. And that's because Sacred Rike is such an influential band. Uh, could you help us understand what the Sacred Reich sound is and has it really changed from say 1985 to today?
2: Well, I don't know exactly what the Sacred Reich sound is, other than when we get together and play, that's what it sounds like. So, <laughs> um, and and definitely, you know, from ignorance, which was. You know, Ignorance is a lot of people's favorite record by us because it's the most Mm. out-and-out thrash record we ever made. And it's the only one that sounds like that. There's no other record that sounds like that that we did. And there's a segment of our fans that are very disappointed by that, and I read that stuff all the time. Ignorance is the best, and they got soft after that. Well, that's cool. (laughs) You know, like, people are certainly entitled to think whatever they want. So... Um, I'm glad that they would enjoy that record. So that was very thrashy. And then when we did Surf, you know, we added some different elements. And I really feel like when we did The American Way, we kind of became who we are. That's kind of, if people are like, what does Sacred Rake sound like? You know, it started really with The American Way, I think. And then, you know, added some stuff on Independent. and, um, And on Heel was kind of, you know, Independent kind of, really took two steps forward from American way. And then when we got to heal, we realized that maybe on independent, we had abandoned where we had come from, right? Like mm-hmm. we want to acknowledge all the aspects of our band. Uh, we want to always add new stuff and always challenge ourselves and right where we are then. But we also want to acknowledge the people that got us to that point, you know, the fans and, and just be conscious of it without forcing it. So, like on the new record, I think we really struck a nice balance. I mean, you know, bands always say our new record is the best record. Yeah. And we're, we're no different. Our new record is the best record. That's what I really think. And I like every song on the record. And, and I think it has a, a lot of different things What Sacred Rake's about. We have some fast, heavy songs on there. We have something like Death Valley. We have, uh, you know, like Revolution, which is, you know, almost like a punk rock song. Um, And then there's something to believe, which is, you know, different for us, more like just a rock song, like a, like more like a traditional metal song, you know? Mm -hmm. But, um, I, I think, I think we really kind of found something cool on this record.
0: Cool. Um, just to start wrapping things up. Um, I know there's certainly a lot to talk about, in the current political climate, there's plenty of material on hand to be angry about, just to vent out about, just to opine about, or just to leave people with messages about. Uh, I'd like to understand from you, especially since um, especially since the lyrics play such an integral part of the Sacred Reich Sound, uh, what do you think is the role that music and art can play in these times?
2: Well- you know, I think for me, music is the the best art form. I mean, I love painting, I love sculpture and photography and film and plays and all that stuff. But I think the thing about music is it, it connects with people in a different way and And it can be a time machine in the soundtrack of your life where when you hear a song, it can evoke a certain period in your life and and transport you back there. So there's something magical about music, and it can be very uplifting and very encouraging. Um, It could be informative. It could be uh, like a connection if you're sitting in your room listening to a record and There's some lyrics or somebody's talking about something. You're like, yes, that's how I feel. Then you don't feel alone. You feel like there's someone out there who feels the way I do. I had this experience listening to like a lot of John Lennon stuff, like mind games and starting over and woman and the things that I was going through in my life. I'm like, you're talking right to me. I'm like, he's talking right to me. And it's a powerful thing. So, um, um, There's a lot of different aspects to it. And on our record, our goal was just to be mostly positive and encouraging because, you know, in in this time, well, in every time, let's say, Mm -hmm. people can always use more encouragement, more positive affirmation because everything comes at the same time. All the good stuff, all the not so good stuff, it all comes together in a ball. It's not just one thing. So the choice is which way are we going to look? Are we going to look at the good stuff and then we'll be positive or we can look at the bad stuff and then things will be negative? It's all there for us. It's just which direction we want to look. So given the climate that we're currently existing in, we thought it would be extra special and and, and a great time to just give somebody a positive message. You know, there's songs like um, Divide and Conquer and Revolution, mm-hmm. which are more topical and kind of pointing out the way things are. Um, but, but even in those songs, it's trying to leave on a positive note. Yeah. So th- that's the thing. And you know, hopefully people get that from the record. You know, some people don't care about the lyrics. They just, you know, we just want to rock. And that's cool, too. And some people, are, you know, need to get the lyrics and read it. And it's really important to them. And that's great. Um, but, you know, giving the opportunity to do something, let's do something positive.
0: I must say, thank you so much for, for taking that step. Because, yes, we could all use with a little bit more positivity in our lives.
2: Yeah, always. You know, and people are like, "Oh my god, it's so bad." I'm like, "I mean, really? I think this is the best time ever to be alive. It's the greatest time. Certainly it's not perfect, but you know, if we look, if we zoom out and say life expectancy in general is higher, you know, poverty is less than it's been. It's not gone, but I think in many respects it's certainly the best time to ever be alive. There's so much opportunity and we can communicate so easily. What we do with these tools, like people are like, oh, technology is bad. I'm like, technology is just technology. It's just how we use it. You know, we have these things in our hands that hold all the information ever recorded in human history that let us communicate with people all over the globe. And we use it to look at cat pictures. Like, that's our fault. That's not the technology's fault. Right. Yeah, completely. So it's, it's, it's always us. People go, politics is bad. I'm like, politics is just politics. It's the people that make it corrupt. Religion's bad. Religion is great. The idea about religion is to bring each other together, bring everybody together. Right. But people use it for their own, for their own gain. And that's what makes it bad. They're all inherently fine. It's, it's always the people. So if we could just change how we do things, everything will be fine. And it's a small change, too, by the way. It's not a giant. Look, how many? Is there six billion people on the planet? Something like that? Six and a half billion people? Yep. Like, if, if we weren't generally good people, it would be a total mess. Like, think about if people just went out there and they were like, fuck it, like every day, it would be a complete shit show. Like, we're pretty much we're getting along pretty good, considering there's a bunch of six billion strangers on the planet. We're doing pretty good, so.
0: Yeah, I think we're doing
2: okay. That's just the
0: pessimist in me.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're doing okay. Is there room for improvement? Certainly. So let's do it, you know? <laughs> Always room for improvement. That's fine. You know? Hey, things that. good? I yeah. I
0: that, Phil. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah. yeah. Are things good? Yeah. Could they be better? Yeah. How are we going to do it? We're just going to do it. How are we going to do it? We're going to smile and we're going to put each other. We're going to put other people first. And <clears throat> this is one of the lines in, in the song, too. Mm-hmm. It says, yep. um, you know, if you, if you do something for yourself, you're limited to one person. If you do things for others, there's no limit to what you could do. I mean, it's a tiny little thing. Put others first. If everybody on the planet put everybody else first, how big of a change would that be? It would be humongous overnight. Yeah. And it's possible.
0: <laughs> yep, it is. Yeah, when you truly think about it. It is.
2: Yeah, it's not that big of a deal. We can do it. It's right in front of us. These things are not that difficult. We just need to stop being distracted. People go, "Well, people are dumb. That's why." No, people aren't dumb. People just aren't paying attention. That's it. People are not dumb. They're just not paying attention to the important stuff. They're just distracted, and that's okay. We can we can fix that because if you're really unintelligent, it's hard to fix that Mm. but even people who are so you know look we're we're quick to label people too people have different kinds of intelligence people might not be book smart but they might be emotionally intelligent they might be physically intelligent all you got to do is look everybody has something beautiful to contribute we just got to figure out what that is and encourage people to do what they're good at and just do that it's great everybody has something to give and that's such a great positive and encouraging way to kind
1: of end our chat but i must add this as our final question which is what does metal mean to you and has the meaning changed for you over the years
2: um for me it was just like something that i found that i related to and expressed the way that i was feeling you know growing up i listened to all kinds of music. My mom was a big Stevie wonder fan and earth, wind and fire. So I listened to a lot of that stuff, like Motown stuff, temptation, Smokey Robinson. And then as I started getting a little older and getting into rock, you know, then you get into like ACDC and then it was, you know, getting into more like ACDC and rush. And then it was like Judas priest and iron maiden. And that was like the big thing. Iron maiden was like the big thing.
3: And, oh, then like heard,
2: and then I heard, yeah, and then I heard Metallica, and I was like, "Oh shit!" I got rid of all my old records, like Zeppelin's gone, Hendrix's gone, like so it's, it's not Metallica and Slayer, it sucks. And <laughs> then I really got into that for a long time, you know, but and the reason was it just made such a strong connection, and really, like I said, expressed how I was feeling. I felt like this is my home, and I think there's people all over the world that feel exactly the same. And when you go to shows and you go to festivals and you see the camaraderie and how people relate, you know, and it doesn't matter where they're from or what color they are or anything. I think metal people for the most part are very accepting. And there's a song on the new record called Salvation. And the idea behind that song was salvation through music. Like I was saying, we're all here together. There's a, there's a line that says, "Congregation, you and me, like we're all together in this thing," and um, and that's the thing. Lead us to salvation, salvation through music, the thing that unites us, no matter what. So that's what it's always meant to me. Uh, Once
0: again, I'm at a loss for words because what you I mean, just that said
1: doesn't happen often.
0: <laughs> yeah, and because yeah, what you just said about. Music being music and metal being something that stitches all of us together, that's exactly what it is. I mean, that's the entire reason what Peter and I do on Haunts Up. That's exactly from where it stems from. It just talking about music brought us together,
2: yeah, and it's it's the reason why we're
0: talking to you today. It's it's
2: yeah. And think about all the people that we've met because of it and all the wonderful experiences we've had because of it and how much richer our lives are because of it. So yeah, it's, dude, it's not, (laughs) it's, uh, it can be like a little emotional and it's not lost on me. Yeah. You know, how fortunate dude, I have the whole life that I have because of that, you know, and it's been the greatest thing ever, you know? Wow.
0: Once again, for, Thank you so much for doing what you guys do, and I truly mean this when I say this haunts up to sacred rite and haunts up to you guys. Yeah.
2: Thank you. Yeah, we're hope we- we're hoping to get some shows in India. We're working hard on it. I, I don't know if it's gonna happen. I-, I know eventually it will happen. I don't know exactly when, but it's a uh, it's a it's a big focus of our band to come play there. So, eventually, I'm sure we will.
0: Well, certainly. Uh, if you're coming over, just let us know. We'll definitely like to host you.
2: For sure. Where Where are you located?
0: We're in Bombay.
2: Okay. Yeah, because I think they were talking about maybe Bangalore and Mumbai. So, yeah. So Mumbai's Bombay, right? Yeah, yeah, oh, no. Yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mumbai's Bombay. So, yeah, it would be great. And my wife's like, if you go to India, I'm definitely coming on that trip. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. She goes, I'm definitely coming. So, Uh, Hopefully, it'll work out. I think it would be incredible. I don't know what the metal scene is like, and I don't know how well Sacred Reich are known there, you know, but uh, we'll find out.
0: Two good times coming ahead. Thank you so much once again, Phil. Thanks for taking the time out and doing this with us.
2: Oh, thank you so much for your time and, and reaching out and wanting to do it. I appreciate it a great deal.
3: Wow,
1: so that was a very
0: positive and well, enriching
1: Yeah, in I'd, chat. I'd totally, I totally didn't expect that, especially the latter part of our conversation, where at some points I was thinking, am I speaking to like a motivational speaker <laughs> of sorts more than a metal artist? So, yeah, it was really interesting to see his point of view and just his very positive outlook on yeah. you know, the current situation yeah. where everyone's kind of looking at it as bleak and negative, but just his whole positive outlook and it was such a great conversation to have the time of the night that we had it man
0: yeah completely it uh, made me realize or it it reminded me of why we do this or why we listen to heavy metal or why like essentially we just enjoy anything that we like enjoying it's all to do with just adding a little bit of positivity to our lives and yes all of us could do with a lot more positivity so on that very positive note that's it for episode three zero. Peter, where can people find you?
1: I'm at Trend Crusher.
0: I'm at Asmo Annie. You can write into us at Honza Pod if you ever feel like it. Well, send us some positive love, man. Come on. Do that thing. Till next time, Honza.
1: Honza.